You know, there's two things that happen in a service. There's two exchanges. The first exchange is that we give our worship to God. That's the first exchange. In other words, when we worship, we're not expecting the team to give us something. It's us giving something to God. But once we've given our worship to God, then the exchange changes. God, through his word, gives something back. And that's what's happening right now. We've deposited into heaven with our worship, and now God's in his throne room, and he's ready to speak into our lives. So I just want to take this moment, if we can lift our hands and just believe God that through this word, he's going to speak into our lives. Father God, we thank you. We bless your name. God, you've spoken to us, and we've heard the declarations and sang the declarations through song. But now, God, we're ready to hear you through your word. And we ask you, God, that you uh, just, just be with us right in our seat. Be with us and speak to us that our minds may be open, that our hearts may be open. Lord, and that we can leave this place so much better than how we came. That if we came broken, we're leaving restored. That if we came sick, we're leaving healed. That if we came lost, we are now saved. Lord, we are believing for that in the name of Jesus. And we pray this. And everybody says... Can you stay standing for a moment? We're going to go ahead and read the word. As Pastor Kevin always says, we as a church have Bibles available. If you're interested in having a Bible, our team can easily get you one. But I want to invite you to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want you to stay standing for this reason. We stand for our flag. We stand when we sing the national anthem. Why not stand for the word of God that a lot of blood was shed so that we can all have it in our hands. Amen? So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, I like to read, and it says like this. Are you ready? It says, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Tell somebody, I belong to him. Listen to this. As a result... You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. How many can celebrate that today? Amen? All right. As you take your seat, can you look at somebody and tell them, Remember who you are. Amen. You may be seated in the house of God today. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate you, my friend. We've been in this series called Hello, My Name is Child of God. And I'm so excited about how we're starting 2021 as a church because... I believe that God wants to continue to use this first series to show us who we are. To show us who, what our true identity is. And I believe that when we know who we are, we can be bold in Christ. We can be confident in Christ. We can know where we stand. And that we're not identified by what we were. We are identified by who we are in Christ Jesus. I just want to give a parenthesis and let you know that if you've never heard me speak, I don't mind if you holler back at me. I don't mind if you speak back to, to me as long as you don't mess me up when I'm in the middle of a sentence because then I get distracted and my ADD takes me all the way up somewhere I don't want to go. But if we're celebrating together, go ahead and celebrate. Go ahead and clap your hands. Go ahead and raise. And if you want to feel like running, as long as you don't trip on anything, you're fine with that as well. 
You know, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and um, my formation was there. I'm from Puerto Rican descent. My parents came. Um, my mom, much younger, she came as a young girl to New York City with her parents. And my dad later on came as a teenager. They, found, they, they both met in the subway, and then they later on started going to church together. My mom was saved and everything else, but once they met, they spent two or three years together in just dating, and then they got married, and then the fellowship took them and sent them to Brooklyn to lead a church, and I was 18 months old by then. Um, but I say all this because you ever been in a place where you just don't know who you are? You ever been lost in your identity? Especially when you're a teenager, especially when you're a kid, you go through these seasons where you don't know who you are. And in my home, my dad always spoke in Spanish and my mom always spoke in English. So I had to be able to, when I went to my dad, to be able to know, okay, when I speak to him, I speak in Spanish. But when I go to her, I speak in English. And, and it, it got to a place where I was, I was too Latino to be American and then too American to be Latino. And then all that confusion is happening. But and then I don't look like, at least I didn't look like as a kid, as a Latino, because my hair was dirty blonde. I had really, really curly hair. And I was going to a Christian private school, but I had a crush on a girl. I did. I had a crush on a girl. And they're going to show you a picture of me uh, when I was uh, uh, in that young age. Because I, I went through a season, I went through a season where I just didn't know who I was. And in that season, I, 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 there was this girl named Michelle. Michelle. And not only was there a Michelle, there was also a Ruby. Ruby's the one to my far right. And then right in the middle is Ashley, which I didn't like. But I really like Michelle, which is to my far left. Now, I was too embarrassed to speak to and too shy to speak to Michelle uh, because Michelle was the prettiest girl in my class. Not only that, Michelle had the best lunch. <laughs> and I was, I was embarrassed to open up my Transformers lunchbox because I just never knew what my mom put in there. Sometimes it was leftovers. Sometimes it was lukewarm Chef Boyardee ravioli. But the thing that really set me into a place that I just didn't know what was going to happen was my snack. Because all of my friends had cool snacks. Some of them had Hostess cupcakes. Some of them had my favorite, Twinkies. But my mom would put in mind export soda crackers. And I would go home and I'd say, Mom, I don't, my friends don't do exports. That's for adults. I want kid snacks like all my friends have. And my mom was like, well, I put, I put it in there with the thermos. Are you, are you opening the thermos? Can I put coffee for you in the thermos? I said, Mom, I'm in third grade. Kids in my age don't drink coffee, Mom. And all of this was just a combination of things for me to feel insecure and not know who I was. And to add to it, Michelle, which was the girl to my left and the girl I had a crush on, would call me Spaghetti Head. Because my hair was dirty blonde and it was real curly. But one day Michelle came up to me and said, would you like to trade lunches? 
And I said, I would love to. <laughs> and, and her mom had made her the best mac and cheese. I mean, like really cheesy. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like the one you buy from a box. It was like the real stuff. And I said, Michelle, this mac and cheese is amazing. And she said, your chef Boyardee is, your chef Boyardee is okay. <laughs> and then we, we traded snacks. I gave her export sodas. And she gave me the Twinkie. It felt good. It felt real good. Now, I must say this, that many years have passed, and I'm no longer eating, well, sometimes I do, but I'm no longer eating Chef Boyardee with Michelle. I'm going, to, I'm going out on dates with my wife, Mimi, and we go to places like Olive Garden. And who knows, maybe even Boston Market. I just don't know. It just depends on the night. But I'm saying this because you go through these seasons. Obviously, as a kid, you'll go through it. But you'll go through it as, as a teenager. You'll go through it as an adult. But what often happens in our life is that when we go through great pressures, when we go through great trials, and even when we are so, so blessed that God has taken us to a place that we didn't even imagine, we can forget who we are. And, and when the apostle Peter writes this to the church, He's writing to a church right around 63 A.D. And he's letting them know that although you, you are exiled, although you are going through great persecution, although you have been dispersed to different nations, I want you not to forget who you are. That you are a chosen generation. That you are a royal priesthood. And that you are a holy nation. Come on, you can praise God for that. Because that declaration is inspired by the Holy Spirit, not only for that church, but 2,000 years later for every single one of us. That when we're going through great moments of persecution or trials, and when we feel like life is just chasing us instead of us chasing after the things that life should be giving us, that we can remember who we are in Christ Jesus. That we can stand in the hope of who God is. And that's why identity is so important for us as a church. As we go out through, throughout this whole year, we're going to continue to know more of who we are in Christ, but who we are as a people and who we are as a church. And sometimes we look for our identity in different places. We look for identity through our social status. How many friends we have, how many likes we got, how many followers are following us. We look for it through fame. And God didn't call you to be famous, he called you to be great. We look through it through what we do. Many times I've found my identity through the things I do. But God doesn't call you to find identity in the things you do because he did everything on the cross for you to know who you are. We look through it through our heritage, where we came from. And he doesn't want you to look at it through your heritage. He wants you to look at it through who he is in you. We look through it through brands and name tags. And where we shop. You know, it's funny how we live in a culture where we wear people else, other people's last names. Right? What are you wearing, Hilfiger? What are you wearing, Ralph Lauren? <laughs> and we find our identity through the brands that we wear. Right? And, and, and look at, let me just name some of these brands that have really made it really far. Tommy Hilfiger, that's actually a designer and we wear his clothes. Ralph Lauren, Louis Vuitton. Gucci, which is, that's a last name for a designer. 
Harley Davidson does something that you don't wear. Well, some people wear Harley Davidson, but most people drive Harley Davidsons. But it's two guys, William Harley and Arthur Davidson. Right? And, and, and if you're driving a Suzuki, <laughs> you're driving a Suzuki, I got a Harley Davidson. <laughs> I don't know that sounds. I just think that's how they sound. Maybe you have one, I'm not sure. Maybe you sound like that, I'm not sure. Mercedes-Benz, that was actually a person. We find our identity through vehicles. Kellogg's cornflakes, it's actually a person. Levi jeans. Air Jordan. All these things are things that we may wear. But listen, do not identify your status. Do not identify yourself by the things you wear. You must identify yourself by who you are in Christ. Amen. And I just want to really embed that in us today. Because it's so easy for us to lose ourselves through our social status. Lose ourselves through what we're wearing. Lose ourselves through where we go and where we're not. And God is saying, I know you may not have what you need or you have more than what you need. But I need you to know right now that all of those things don't matter. What really matters is, matters is that you are mine. And I am yours. Amen. Our identity comes from him. But can I ask the question of have we forgotten who we are? Have we forgotten who we are as a people, as a church? Have we forgotten who we are as individuals, as mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, single person? Have we forgotten who we are? It reminds me of the movie, one of my favorite animations, not the Beyonce version, but the old version of Lion King. Notice I didn't say that. I don't like the new one. I like the old one. The, the first Nala is better than the last one. In my opinion, we could talk about it at Mordecai after the service. But for those that don't know, Mordecai is a coffee shop downstairs. If you're watching online, you got to visit us and have a cup of coffee from there with us. But it reminds me of the movie because Simba, which is born in the beginning, first scene of the movie. If you haven't watched it, spoiler alert. It's an old movie from the 90s. But it, Simba's born. He's born to a king. His uncle wants the kingdom, and he, 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 he influences him to leave and go to the, to the, to the dark land, to, the, to, to a place where the kingdom does not abide. He, he, he comes back, his father, for some reason, anyway, I don't want to say the whole story because you may have not watched it yet. But I do want to say this, there comes a point where his, he is out of the pride land. And he looks at his reflection and his father from the skies, from the heavens, speaks to him and tells Simba, Simba, remember who you are. I love it, right? It gives you chills. Right? It's kind of like the hyenas when they were here, Mufasa. Say it again, Mufasa. Ooh. Mufasa. <laughs> let me tell you something. Let me, get, let me bring some spiritual truth to that. Anytime Satan hears the name of Jesus, he goes, ooh. Don't say, don't say that name again. Don't say that name. Don't declare that name again. Don't say that name again. That's a name above all names. But you carry his image. You carry his likeness. You were made to look like him. And therefore, every time you worship, every time you raise your hand, you remind him that he's fired and you were hired to worship Jesus. 
See, I, I have to build some foundation on all of this because it's, we see it from the beginning of humanity how easy it is for us to forget who we are. See, for us to get to 1 Peter chapter 2, we have to begin in Genesis because from the beginning we were made in the image and likeness of, of God himself. But Satan couldn't stand that, so he came and infiltrated into the garden to take away every part of the identity that Adam and Eve had. And he comes and he strips them from that. And now God has to take them out of the Garden of Eden. We see it later in Genesis chapter 6 that when God looked at humanity, he says in verse 5, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was evil all the time. Because of sin, because of what had happened with humanity, all of humanity was evil. So then God has to choose a guy and tell him, I need you to build a boat. Build a boat. What? There's no water. It doesn't rain. But sometimes God will call you to build something even though you don't see where the resources are coming from. And it's the first drop of rain that will remind you of God's faithfulness. That when God says build it, you build it because the rain will come. He tells them to build a boat. Nobody wants to get in the boat. You have drafts. You have rhinos. But you don't have humanity except for the family of Noah. But Noah's family is chosen and Noah's family is called and they now will build humanity as a reset. We go forward and we look at Abraham and Abraham shows us that he came out of his tent and God said, look at the sand on the, on, on the ground, look at the stars in the sky and I will show you that I'm going to give you a family and I'm going to give you a people and I'm going to make a nation out of you. I'm building a foundation to let you know that out of Abraham, he would have Isaac, and Isaac would have Jacob, and Jacob would have 12 sons. And these 12 sons will then become the tribes. But they would go into Israel, into captivity, to then after going through captivity, they would multiply in Egypt for over 400 years. Because at the end, God wanted a family. God wanted a nation. And now they multiply inside of Egypt, and God sends a deliverer that was called and that was chosen. He calls Moses and Moses becomes the deliverer to bring them out of that captivity and take them out of that captivity into the wilderness. And in that wilderness, God would give Moses statutes and rules and regulations because now he was going to make a nation out of this family. Which takes us now to where we are because God wants a people group. He has always wanted a people. He has always wanted a people to represent him. He's always looked at us as the people on earth that will be the light in the midst of darkness. And therefore, when we look at what's going on in the world, when we look at what's going on in our nation, you cannot identify yourself by what's going on here. You have to identify yourself by what's going on up there. Because that's who we are. Which takes me to my first point today. God will always choose, then separate those that he calls. You see, the first, in, the, in that verse that we read, he, he says that we are a chosen generation. Jesus would choose 12. He would choose 12 disciples, and those 12 disciples will later on become 70 disciples. The 70 disciples would later on, after his resurrection, become 120 that would meet in a room. And from that 120 that met in that upper room, Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit came and came upon them like fire. And then we saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people know who Jesus 
was, but it all started with choosing a few. Let me tell you something. That few has now become thousands, if not more millions of people that call themselves chosen by God. You may be watching right now, you don't consider yourself chosen. You may be in this room and you may consider yourself not chosen. But can I tell you something? The fact that you're here right now is because before you woke up this morning, God was already speaking into your heart that you had to come to this place because he's called you and he's chosen you. Now I remember growing up, I must say this, you may not know it, but I was a husky kid growing up. You, maybe, when I was in third grade, I was, I was exactly the weight I was supposed to be. But, but as I got older, I became very husky. So when we would go play in recess in middle school, they would line up all the kids for basketball, and I was never chosen. And I think they were prejudging me because I really play really good basketball. I don't. Um, <laughs> but, but everybody would be chosen, and then I'd be standing there, and they'd say, all right, I'll take him. All right, the two captains, all right, I'll take you. All right, Manny, you come, come to our team. All right, but when it comes to Jesus, you weren't the last choice. No, 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 you were the first choice. You were the first choice because while he was on that cross, he was already seeing you and I. And he wanted you and I to be a part of this team, to be a part of his church, to be a part of his family. And I love that because you are called and you are chosen by God. Now, I was studying a little bit for this message and as I studied, and I often do this because we're living in one of the most peculiar times because we are living amongst five generations. It's one of the first times in history, in human history, where you have five generations living and working together. Now, I want to ask you a couple questions, and the first question is, um, if you were born between the 1900s and 1945, raise your hand. Oh, we, got a few, we have a few. You are the traditionalists. That's the traditionalist generation, and what that means is that you, went, you saw and witnessed the Great Depression. You witnessed World War II. You, you are very disciplined. This generation is very disciplined. You, you have workplace loyalty, which means that you'll stay at a job for 15 to 20 to 30 years. You move to the suburbs, and you know all about vaccines. So these new vaccine things, it's old news for you. Then you have the boomers, which is the 1946 to 1964 generation. Where are you? Well, we have a lot of boomers here. A lot of boomers. The boomer generation experienced Vietnam. The moon landing, you saw, you witnessed it. I mean, you weren't there, but you witnessed this watching it on TV. Civil and women's right, you were a part of this. You saw it through media. You're very experimental. You want to experience things. You're innovators. You're hard workers. And you uh, were able to buy your first personal computer. That's the boomer generation. Then you have the Generation X, which were born between 1965 to 1976. How many of those we have in the room? All right, all right, that's my generation, that's my generation. Uh, you witnessed the, the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. I still remember when uh, uh, President Ronald Reagan said, uh, what did he say? Tear down that wall, all right. Uh, the Gulf War, we experienced that. Um, we're very independent, very independent. We're free agents, 
Uh, we experienced dial-up internet, AOL, right? MTV, and unfortunately, uh, we went through the season of uh, the epidemic of AIDS. And then we also got the mobile phone. Some of you had the big one with the backpack, right? I had the flip one. I had the, I had the Motorola. I mean, you know, you're walking through school, you, bring, you flip that thing and there's a brick. Big old brick. Then you have the millennials, which are 1977 to 1997. Where are you, millennials? Oh, we have a lot of millennials as well. The millennial generation experienced 9-11. Uh, you love community service. You love serving. You, uh, you love things to be done quickly. You're very confident. You're very diverse. Um, social everything. Everything has to be social. A lot of social. Uh, and Google and Facebook are and Instagram are very, very important to this generation. Then the last generation, known as Generation Z, is uh, after 1997. Are, is there any of those in here? Yes, we do. We have some. We have some in the room. Age 15 and younger, optimistic, high expectations, love apps. They love apps. Social games, tablets. Tablets. I, I watch my nephew and I watch some of the kids in our church. They know more about these phones and tablets than I'll ever know. Right, I, I was just yesterday, one of the kids from the church, where she's three years old, I was trying to get back to the home page, and she just went flop, 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 and, I was, and she put it right back where it needed to be. I was like, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Why do I share all this? Because of the difference we all, we all have differences depending on where and when we were born. We've experienced different things. Listen, and, and one thing that's happening in, in, in this season is that that there's ageism happening. Because you were born at this time, you're not a good worker. Because you're a boomer, you watch a lot of TV. Because you're a millennial, you're lazy. Right? We hear all of these negative things. But can I tell you something? When it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the church, God doesn't see different generations. He sees one chosen people. So the only thing that matters is this. It doesn't matter when you were born on earth. What matters is that you are born again in Christ. Because if you're born again in Christ, you are one people group. One people group. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 tells us this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is there male or female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. Tell your neighbor we are one. We are one. We are God's chosen people. We're God's chosen people. Number two, we are God's image bearers for humanity. I love that. I love that because he calls us, Peter calls us a, a royal priesthood. You know what that means? That means you could walk with your head up high. Not, not, in, not in worldly pride. In godly confidence. To know that you are royal. When have you ever seen a, a, a victorious king walk in with their head down? Or a victorious queen with their head down? They walk in royalty. They know who they are. They know their descendants. They know their heritage. They know their bloodline. Huh? And when, when you know where you come from, when you know who you are and you know whose you are, you just walk different. You just speak different. You just think different. You just... Act different with different people. Because when you know who you are and when you know who you, who you represent, you will see that things change in your life. Somebody say amen to that today. You see, back in the Old Testament, God had separated the people. They were called the Levites. And the Levites were the priests that would represent God to the people and also the people to God. 
These were the ones that would go into the tabernacle. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that we no longer worship like they did back then. Because this would be a messy place. Nancy would be very upset with all the bloodshed there would be all over this carpet. Nancy's our facilities coordinator for our church. She oversees housekeeping. And I say that because back then you had to bring an animal and the animal had to die in order for then the priest to go into the holies of holies and find himself with the presence of God. See, these were the people. This was the tribe that represented God to the people and the people to God. And these people would dress with certain garments. They would wear these garments. They would wear 12 stones on their chest, which represented all 12 tribes. They, they wore this nice chef hat that said holy, holy, holy. And, and all these things represented and were just symbolic of God wanting a nation and God wanting a people. Now I say all this because I got to build a foundation to let you know this. When Jesus dies on the cross and Jesus says it it's finished. The Bible says that in the tabernacle, the place where all these priests would worship and all these priests would bring sacrifices, the Bible says that this curtain called the veil that separated the holy place from the holies of holies, the Bible says that it was torn from the top all the way to the bottom. We've heard Pastor Kevin speak about this several months ago. But I say that because it is torn giving access not just for one tribe. It is torn to give access for humanity that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means this, when we know that we are a royal priesthood, you can recognize and know that you're called to carry the presence of God. See, the presence of God is not in a building. The presence of God is in a people. See, we have become this holy temple. Which means that when you are at work and you're in your nice little cubicle with your nice little office music, that you can be an image bearer of God and you can carry the presence of God wherever you are. Whether you're typing at work or you're doing yoga at the fitness center or you're just cycling somewhere. Recognize at that moment that I am a carrier of the presence of God. Now back then... The presence was carried on their shoulders. It was a box and they carried it on their shoulders. And they had to take that presence wherever they went. Now we carry it in our hearts. So recognize that in the midst of everything that's going on in your life, you are an image bearer. And more important, you are somebody that is called to carry the presence of God. Now, that means you have to qualify to carry the presence of God. That means you, you, need, you need to be a part of a certain lineage to be a part of the presence of God. Can I tell you, you don't have to qualify. He qualified you. When he died on the cross of Calvary, he said, you, 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 all of you, I want you to be a part of this whole thing. Romans chapter 8 verses 16 through 17 says this. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are his children, then we are heirs. And if we are heirs, we are heirs with God, co-heirs with Christ. And if indeed we suffer with him, then that we may also be glorified with him. You are royalty, walk in it. You are royalty. Let me say that again. Walk in it. But Pastor Manny, you don't know my lifestyle. You don't know how things are going. You are royalty. You walk in it until you see it happen. You walk with your head up high. It doesn't matter if you don't have one cent in your bank account. You're going to walk with your head up high until you get the resources you need. Because you are royalty and you are carriers of the presence of God and you are representatives of his kingdom. Somebody say amen to that today. My last point is this. 
We represent God's kingdom. We represent God's kingdom, which means we are a holy nation. We are a holy nation. You know, when you hear the word holy, sometimes we can categorize that as I got to dress a certain way. I, I have to look a certain way. I have to do something to qualify for holiness. You don't have to do anything to qualify for holiness. He's the one that separates you. He's the one that chooses you. He's the one that has selected you and set you apart for a special purpose. That's what holiness is. To be set apart for a special purpose. Now, I, I like to speak about my upbringing because it, it has given me my formation. How many grew up with people just spontaneously just showing up to your house as visitors? Now, we don't do that anymore. Somebody not, rings the doorbell, everybody hides. I'm really putting myself out there. Nowadays, when somebody, when we didn't get a text about a visitor and somebody rings a doorbell, hide, hide, hide. We look through the blinds. Whose car is it? Man, MJ, whose car is it? Who, who's there? Can you see him? Can you see who it is? It's grandma. Oh, okay, we're good. Open the door. We don't say who. Who is it? No, no, no. We hide. But growing up, my mom would do this because we always, my, we were, my, my parents were pastors. We always expected visitors. My mom always had a Entenmann's pound cake. And this Entenmann's pound cake was not for us. No, no, no. We couldn't eat out of that Entenmann's pound cake. I, w I always wanted to, but I couldn't because that Entenmann's pound cake was just in case we get visitors. Right? That Entenmann's pound cake was separated for a purpose. Now, I'm not calling you an Entenmann's pound cake. But what I'm trying to tell you is this, that you and I have been separated for a special purpose. And when we know what that purpose is and we can walk in it, you're going to know that God has chosen and called you for great things. Not only are we holy, but we're a nation. And this nation has a government and this nation has a king. Yes. Which means we, although we live here, we are part of something so much greater. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are ambassadors of Christ. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is a representative that goes to a foreign land. Which means this, that although you were born in this nation, and like I was, and although you love this nation, we are not of this world. We are ambassadors of a holy and eternal kingdom. And because we are ambassadors of this holy kingdom, we are representing the kingdom of God and our king in this foreign land. Why do I say this? Because this body just so happened to be born here, but we are not from here. We're going to live 60 to 90 years and then we spend the rest of our life with God. Oh, you got real quiet in here. Don't get me wrong, I love my country. My, my grandfather fought in the Korean War. My uncles fought in Vietnam. My brother fought in three trips to Afghanistan. I love our nation. But we got to be careful with worshiping our nation and honoring it. Because we are part of something so much greater than the United States of America. We are part of a holy nation. We are part of an invisible kingdom. And we have a king. 
And we are called to honor and to serve him. You see, one day is going to come where the skies are going to open up. And he's going to be seated on a white horse. And with him are going to be his angels, but also the saints that were raptured uh, uh, for, with him into heaven. And he's going to come and he's going to reign in this land for a thousand years. See, that's what we have to look at as our hope. We shouldn't find our hope in earthly kings and earthly princes. We find our hope in the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm not talking about an earthly person. I know that God is the one that appoints people into different places. But even with that, the kingdoms are on his shoulders. And he's, his head is still above every kingdom on this land. See, he's, Jesus is the king of Israel. Jesus is the king of righteousness. Jesus is the king of all ages. Jesus is the king of heaven. Jesus is the king of glory. Jesus is the king of kings. You see, the Bible says that the heavens is his throne and that the earth is his footstool. Hallelujah. That he can't be voted in and he cannot be voted out. The Bible says that his kingdom will have no end. You should celebrate that today because there's no way that somebody can impeach him. There's no way that somebody can remove him. He is Lord. He is our God. And we can love him today. We're closing. I conclude with the last piece of this verse that says this. And I ask you the question, so what do we do with all this and this new identity in Christ Jesus? What do we do? Well, the, the now old and gray-haired Peter, the one that's gone himself through a process of identity, he's the one that writes this. And I love it because he started off as an industrial fisherman. His language wasn't the, the best. His way of thinking wasn't the best. He was a bit violent. He cut somebody's ear off. He cussed every once in a while. But he's no longer this young, immature believer. He's gone through a process and now he's old enough to give advice to people that need to know who they are because he went through his own process of knowing who he is in Christ, the one he walked with for those three years. And he finishes in verses 9 through 10 saying this, as a result you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out, he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Listen, this is my favorite part. Once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. Yeah, you can celebrate that today. So can you say this with me? Let's say, let's say it a couple times just to really get this, get this in our heart. I am chosen. I am royal. I am a holy nation. Can you say it again? I am chosen. I am royal. I am a holy nation. Can you say it one more time? I am royal. I'm sorry, I am chosen. I am royal. I am a holy nation. One more time to just make five. I am chosen. I am royal. I am a holy nation. Can you celebrate that right now? Come on, somebody. I want to declare this over us. I want to declare those for those that are watching. We are chosen to bring Christian morality back. We are chosen and we are a generation that aren't afraid to share our faith. We are a generation that will stand up for those that need the help. We are a generation that will not flee from evil. Evil will flee from us. 
We are a generation that will respect men and women alike. We are a generation that will raise a stronger generation of young people. We are a generation that will lift up men to be fathers and women to be mothers. We are a generation that will preach the uncompromised truth of all times. We are a generation that will not bow down to Baal. We are a generation that will not stop praying. And we are a generation that will not be a victim, but we will be victorious in Christ Jesus. We are a generation that will lead the next generation and the next great revival for our land before Jesus returns for every single one of us. So remember who you are, that although you were born and you may think you're a mistake, you are not a mistake. He chose you and he formed you and he ordained you before you were born to be a prophet for the nations. That although you may be broken, recognize that in Christ you are whole. That although you may be sick, that you are healed in Christ Jesus today because you are royal. You are chosen. You're a holy nation of God. Let's all stand to our feet. How many received this today? I can't tell you how many times I've left the house without my wallet. You ever left your house without your wallet or your purse? Don't you feel like it's just, that that's just going to be the day you, you a, a police officer is going to stop you and you're not going to have what you need to identify yourself. And you feel insecure and you feel like you, after driving halfway to where you were going, you got to drive all the way back home to go get your driver's license. See, that's how we are when we don't know who we are in Christ. We just feel insecure. We feel like the, the worst is going to happen next. Like the, my day's really going to be messed up because I left my identity at home. See, but when you know who you are in Christ, you don't think negative things. You don't think that things are going to get worse. You believe that things are going to get better because you're blessed, because you're chosen, because you're royal, because you're a holy nation. And we know this. We heard Pastor Kevin say this a few weeks ago. If you read to the end of the book, you see that we win. It's a fixed fight. You may be in a battle right now, but the war is won. It's won. So you can walk in victory knowing that although you're going through trials and tribulations, they're all building your faith to who you're really supposed to be in Christ. And who knows, everything that's going on in our world right now and even what's going to happen this coming week is all building the church to really come united as one. For that one day where in the blinking of an eye, those that are dead will rise up first and those that are living will go, be caught up with them. And we will be raptured to be celebrating the day. Those seven years of celebration to then come back down and reign for those a thousand years. I know I'm going to fast forward, but I just got to remind us sometimes there, there is a greater hope than a house. There is a greater hope than a car. There's a greater hope than what we can possess. The greater hope is that this fine life we live here is nothing compared to what's coming next. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.